skin is a living part of your body and your largest organ. And as skincare experts for over 30 years, Dermalogica's number one focus is on empowering people to achieve their healthiest skin ever. Education is at the heart of everything we do. So our podcast brings advice from top skin health experts directly to you. Join us as we discuss research and skin technologies to help you get real results. Welcome to your skincare journey with Dermalogica. It's time to start living in your healthiest skin. So welcome to Living Skin. I'm Beth Bialco with Global Education, and today's podcast is part of our Building Your Business series. We are joined by a very successful business owner, skin therapist, and entrepreneur, Didi Crossett. She's actually been in the industry for over 18 years, and she's currently the dean of the San Francisco Institute of Aesthetics and Cosmetology. And she's also, as I mentioned, a skin therapist, and she's the founder of a very successful business called Skin on Market, and that is in San Francisco as well. So welcome, Didi, to the podcast. Thank you. Such a pleasure to be here. Well, we are so happy you took time out of your busy schedule. I mean, owner, skin therapist, entrepreneur, running a school, running a business. I, this is like such a perfect day for us to have this conversation because a lot of our listeners may either be business owners themselves, um, maybe they're aspiring uh, business owners or entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. So I thought before we get into talking about um, all those business tips and advice that I know you have for us, I'd love for you to, to tell us a little bit more about yourself and how you got started as a professional in this industry and also in how you decided to open up your business. Oh, all right. Um, thanks again for having me. I, I, my history is a little bit like uh, I started originally in sports marketing and communications. I'm from Spokane, Washington. It's a little farming town. Um, and I was always interested in the beauty industry. I think before we started this call and you asked, how long have I been in it? And I really feel like I've been in the industry since I was like 10, as long as I could remember, um, whether it was watching my mom get a perm or giving my grandmother a perm, or I, it really started, my interest started, I think, in, in hair and makeup. And then after I quit my corporate job back in like 2000, um, I decided to go to beauty school here in San Francisco, get my aesthetics license. I was suffering from some adult acne and I had had acne off and on. Um, and I, that's a story of a lot of my students actually, particularly in the aesthetics department is they're having skin challenges and um, they start diving into the industry and doing their own research. And then they, it, it attracts them to beauty school and attracts them into the career path. So for me, that's a typical story. And originally I thought I would open a spa. I, I read about Mrs. Fields cookies and Mary Kay cosmetics and these really inspirational ladies that really found something that they loved. You know, Mrs. Fields just really liked making cookies. If you've ever know her story, it's pretty interesting. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I thought, well, I like going to the spa, so I should just own one, which was very naive at the time. But because what you don't realize is before you're in this industry, once you get in it, it's it's ridiculously hard to get a wax appointment or a facial or a peel. <laughs> you, once you're in it, it's like impossible to get a treatment. But at the time, uh, I was I was I had a great corporate job but the more money I made, the more I found myself diving into the spa industry and it might, uh, or trying to get services and, and figuring out a way to relax myself because that, that world stressed me out a little bit. So uh, I bit the bullet and went to beauty school, got my license. It was a very humbling experience. Um, worked at a spa, the Knob Hill spa here in San Francisco. Um, trained with a company called Babor and, and helped them train their team, which was a really, impactful uh, experience for me because without that opportunity to train other estheticians, I don't think that I would have realized how much San Francisco needed um, a school before they needed another salon or spa. And um, I felt like the education could be improved. So in 2000, July 9th, 2002 is when we opened the San Francisco Institute. And we were just one floor of this building downtown. Um, started with like 10 students. It's a, it was a combination of both cosmetology and aesthetic students. So to have 10, you know, I think six of them were hairdressers. No, six were estheticians and maybe four were hairdressers. I can't remember the exact ratio, but many of those students I still see in the industry and I follow them on Facebook and they still stop by and they're still in it, which is amazing. Um, 
but yeah, the 16 years we've uh, been offering insanely great education and inspiring the Bay Area. Um, and our students right now, or graduates, I should say, are all over the world. And then Skin on Market, we opened, we partnered, was really excited to work with Dermalogica on that project. Um, and we opened it four years ago. So we're celebrating our four year anniversary. Oh my gosh, that's fantastic. So almost what, about 16 year anniversary for your school? And then you said four years for Skin on Market. Yeah, yeah. That's, which seems crazy, you right? know. I also have a, I have a two year old son, so it's interesting when you float along with time, it, it, things, you know, you'll talk to someone and say, oh yeah, remember we went there last month and then someone will say, actually that was six months ago. But there's this thing about having a child that kind of time stamps thing because they're developing and there's little markers. So mm -hmm. he's kind of stamped it for me in a different way where I'm noticing time passing a lot quicker now where before I was like, oh yeah, we just opened and like, no, actually you opened four years ago. Yes. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, I, I it's a constant learning curve. It's never, it's never, there's never a dull moment. And people were encouraging me to do something else after I opened the school, whether it was opening another school or opening another business. And it took me a long time to figure out what I wanted that to be and where was it going to be. And I love the city of San Francisco and I love the community here. So I knew I needed to be within a radius that I could like ride my bike and you know, walk my dog if I needed to and, and get home quickly. Mm -hmm. So it was an easy uh, decision for me to stay, to stay local. But when you, I opened that second location, which isn't a school, it's a skin bar. Um, I thought, oh, this is gonna be so much easier because it's such a small space and I'm really gonna have a few employees. And it's the same exact challenges of opening a bigger business like a school because there's compliance and permits and, oh, I forgot to buy a garbage can you know, stuff where you're like, how did I do, like, I've already opened a business. Like, I, did I really start this thing and I'm missing a garbage can? Like some of the things that I did, like, I don't have a stapler. Where, we forgot a stapler. So it, it's, you know, you would have thought that I would have learned all that. But by the time I opened the second one, I had a, had another big learning curve. Yeah. And I think that's really interesting how you said that too, is that even, even with your first, you know, entrepreneur and your first, um, you know, go and your business with the school is that, you know, opening up your second you know, location with the skin on market being more the skin center, it's, it can be completely different. And I think for any entrepreneur, like, like you mentioned every day and every experience is something new and it's a different learning kind of a, almost like a journey when you actually went back and got, um, your aesthetic license and then you were working for another company, doing it, working with a brand, actually helping with some training. Um, so you were kind of getting your feet wet, right? Getting some of that experience. And the reason I bring that up is I've often heard um, some some say that the therapist oftentimes may go into business maybe too uh, soon out of school. I know one of the things that you think about is, oh my gosh, like how amazing or glamorous, right, would it be to own your own business? But you and, and myself included being both, you know, business owners that, you know, it's not always glamorous. It's like you said, it's finding the stapler and where, where the heck is right is the trash can. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. what do you think about, I mean, is important to, you know, definitely after you get your aesthetic license to go out, right? get that first job, get the experience, you know, see, you know, what you really either like to do or you feel like you're more drawn toward or you're more passionate. What are some of your thoughts about that for someone who maybe is just newly graduating and is thinking about becoming a business owner, whether it's a large location or whether it's just renting, you know, a, a room or a yeah. booth renter? I think it really depends on the individual. When I, I didn't have a lot of experience as a skin therapist when I opened the school, but I had other experience. I had been the promotional director at a thoroughbred horse track um, in Seattle and um, got to buy advertising and build big events and see what happens. You know, if you spend X amount of dollars, how many people you actually need to have come in the door to justify that marketing expense. And I worked for Kinko's and in their corporate side and help people figure out cost per square foot and whether they should have an in-house Kinko's in their office or they should farm it out to us. And that was before it was bought out by FedEx, right? So depending on how old you are, you will know what Kinko's is if you're listening to this podcast. I totally but I know what Kinko's is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you were in college and there was a Kinko's, it kind of dates you. But um, so for me, I had other life experience and my mom was an entrepreneur. She had a, a side hustle. She always had a side hustle when we were growing up and, um, you know, she worked at a, at a North office, but also had a little lab on the side and 
so I think I had my grandfather had a grocery store, but I was surrounded by people that had um, businesses and the length of time it took, you know, getting up first thing in the morning. And then I remember my grandfather sitting in his kitchen and calculating. It was in a farming community. So everybody, the farmers got to charge their accounts. Mm -hmm. Right. And so then once a month they'd pay it. So I'd watch him on Sundays while we're all running around playing and he would have to sit there and total up everybody's charges over the week and then bundle it up to make sure that they could pay, you know, the following week or the following month. So I was like, oh, he has to work on a Sunday. And my mom always worked on Sundays because it was her side job. Right. So I, I had that was I was very well aware of what it would take to to operate a business and, and how hard it was and the sacrifices that you have to make. Um, so I think if you have that kind of a work ethic, you could jump into it right out of school. And also so many people are coming into aesthetics as a second career that they have done something else. Some of my students have all done something else, you know, pharmaceutical sales, or they worked in a plastic surgeon's office and that's what got them into this industry, or they were in a high tech business, or, you know, I've had some social media bloggers come to beauty school and they're here because they want to, um, say, oh, and I'm licensed. So they want to add validity to their online content when they're on YouTube, right? So mm -hmm. I think that the industry is attracting people that have more experience in other areas. I think it would be a challenge to open it if you had no other life experience and the only bill you'd ever had was a cell phone. It's gonna be difficult to pay for things and right. get credit and all of that. But um, working for someone else, particularly being around other entrepreneurs, I think is pretty, empowering you know the guy that started kinko's um had kinky hair that was his his that's his name was paul but that was his nickname and he he had little coffee machines in santa barbara that he would roll out onto the sidewalk and people would pay for their coffees because the space was so small and at the end of the night he'd have to roll them back in and lock the door um and then his buddies that he played volleyball with they all started opening these um, i'm paraphrasing right but then they did these partnerships and he was so passionate about it. And even though I had only had the opportunity of meeting him a couple times, he was actively involved in the company. And so as big as that company was, you felt, I felt like I got to be around a really strong entrepreneur. And at the track I worked at, the guy that opened it was right there every day. So I, and even the hotel, the spa that I worked at, Nob Hill Spa, it was owned by the original family um, at the time. And so, when you're working under someone that's that passionate and they own it themselves, mm -hmm. that's pretty inspiring. So that was a big experience for me. I, I was able to take all of that into opening my own business, um, even though I was pretty young. And I, I did get a hard time from people when I would talk about opening the business because I was in my 20s, right? So they were like, oh, that's nice. Good for you. Mm, okay. Whenever someone says good for you, they kind of mean something else. <laughs> you know what I was like, yeah. mm, that seems kind of condescending. Yeah. But I was so driven. There's something so sweet about when I first opened it because I was so naive. I was like so convinced. I was like, this is going to work. There was not one bone in my body that told me it was not going to work. Yeah. I just had to. You know, and so that, where the second business with Skin on Market, I was like, well, is this the right location? You know, I would... I'd hum around and I'd sit outside and watch the people walk by. I didn't always, you know, I, I knew too much and I overthought it, right? Okay. But there's something very sweet when you first do it because you're just like, of course it's going to work. You have no right. reason to think it's not going to work. Yeah. Right. You're fearless. I mean, that's kind of how I felt when I started mine was just like, mm -hmm. let's just do this. I mean, this is going to happen. But I think you brought up a really good point though of like, I'm um, drawing on, you know, um, in, you know, skincare, like you mentioned, if it's like a second, third, or even fourth career, drawing on your own experiences that you have in, in various other, um, various other businesses or jobs or careers, but also to surrounding yourself and learning from others who are um, entrepreneurs. Maybe not necessarily do they have to be in your industry. I'm a huge proponent for having a mentor, of finding someone who, even who's doing what you want to do, and really being able to to see that and come, come to light. And then the other point that you made about, you know, even like working for someone, I think also changes the way that you operate, how you see things, getting the experience, I think for the treatment room is super key and understanding mm -hmm. your clients, understanding the consumer, um, you know, what, how, even everything from their booking habits to their retailing and to their, their purchasing habits as well. Um, 
so I was, I just wanted to, to really get into that because oftentimes people, they're on the fence. Like you said, you said with your second one, you're kind of like overthinking it a little bit. Do you think that even skin therapists who are, who are thinking about going out to their out onto their own, what are, what are some key tips that maybe you could offer to them that they should think of, or that could be some great bits of advice in starting their own business that they should maybe know or, or consider? You should love this industry before you start a business. So when I meet someone that's like, you know what? I'm so tired of the spa. I think I'm going to go out on my own. Like that's a horrible idea. It's the worst idea ever. Because if you, if you don't love it when someone else is managing the business and paying the bills and doing the laundry and, and, you know, ordering the product and picking up the phone and booking the guests and making sure that they're walking out with the retail items and re-explaining to them the importance of the series and why they should buy three instead of just booking one and all of that. If you're tired of someone doing that for you, the owning a business is going to just make you hate the industry. And then you're only around yourself and you're not going to like anything. So um, number one, I would say just love it to the point where if you're doing it every breathing second of the day, that's the best day ever. I think also uh, you have to really love your, and I say love because it has to be that kind of passion. Love your clients and your neighbors. Where are you? I love the South Market neighborhood where the school is. I love that across the street is a pizza shop and a deli place. And that guy, the deli guy, he loves lunch. And all he does is lunch, right? And then there's like a leather store and there's a coffee shop. Like I love this crazy neighborhood and I love the Castro. I go to the merchant meetings and I look around at all the people that are functioning businesses in the Castro. And I'm just like, Oh my God, these people are great. Because if you love your clients and you love your neighbors, you're all using each other's clients, especially in a, in a local business, we attract people locally. So the person that is on their way to get their hair done this morning on the clinic floor or get a service, they also stop by the coffee shop or they're visiting the sandwich place afterwards to get lunch. So really loving everything around you, I think is important. I wrote a business plan um, in both with both businesses, and it's not that I'm I didn't go to business school and try, I don't have my MBA or anything like that. But you know, you go online and you print it out and you fill in the blanks. And I just found my business plan recently from the school, and it was handwritten in a notebook originally before I went for my bank loan. Mm-hmm. And it the first thing on it, I made myself a checklist of all the things I need to do before I start this business. And number one said. Um, it said um, name and logo. And I was like, wow, there you go, Dee. Good job. <laughs> You're going to need a name. And, okay, check. Number two, like I literally was like, oh, wow, these are all the things I have to do. So write all of that out. And if that bores you and exhausts you and you can't seem to sit down and want to diagram that somehow, you might want to second guess whether you then want to own a business. Because if you can't somehow verbalize it and put it on paper or draw a picture of it or a storyboard or a dream board or something that has to do with this vision that you have, if you can't get it down on paper, I think it's harder, it's harder to implement. Mm-hmm. And I've always found um, that's one thing that's helped me be really successful is I always find vendors and partners that are like me and like-minded. Um, they don't, well, obviously we have different skill sets, but um, I believe in no animal testing, right? Which is why I've partnered with Dermalogica and Paul Mitchell. Um, I have, I've had the same plumber for 16 years. I've had the same electrician. You know, I have the people that I choose to do business with. Um, we're like-minded in our work ethic and I trust them. They have keys to my house. And, you know, I see my Dermalogica rep yeah, for coffee. You know, I, the, those relationships are really important so that when the fierce conversations happen or when something does the pipe blows in the middle of the night, you've, you're in a relationship with this person where they just show up because it's not just the job, but right. they show up to, to take care of you because you're in a relationship with them. And I have the same with local salon owners and all of my local business partners. We all take care of each other. Like, oh, you need me to run. You're out of town next week. I'll go to the bank and get change for you. Can you get change for me? When I, you know, I think it's important to have that network around you because when you start to feel a little bit crazy, um, you've got, you've, you're building your own network and your own community. Cause for a small local business, which is what most of us are as skin therapists, even if you own a big spa, you're drawing on your local community. You have to have good relationships mm-hmm. with your vendors and your partners because they're the ones, you know, we had a, our Costco delivery guy. He sent his, his daughter to beauty school here. Um, and 
she's coming from very far away. This was a couple of years ago. And on the tour, I was like, you look so familiar. I'm like, are you the Costco guy? But because he was out of his uniform, you know? And he said, yeah. And we start talking and he's like, you know, you guys have always been so nice to me out of all the businesses I deliver to. Um, when she told me she wanted to go to school there, they passed two other schools on the way to get to this one. He's like, I knew she had to go here because of the way you treated me. Yeah. That's right. So everything matters. Every single person matters. And if you're in the service business, if you don't love giving quality service and being nice to people all the time, I think twice about starting your own business because all of that matters, right? It's everyone you meet is either, I heard someone else say this, so I can't take credit for it, but everyone you meet is either a future client or a future friend. And you have to be on like that. I think Mm -hmm. when you're in this business. Yeah. hundred percent. If you don't, if you don't like having the conversations, like you said, building the relationship, networking, having those connections, then this is definitely not the industry for you because this, I mean, we're all about people, right? We're all about mm-hmm. just building that, you know, that. And definitely don't open a business. And de- yeah. And definitely needs to that. draw traffic. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Cause I'm selling it every day. I'm selling it at home Depot. Yeah. I'm picking up. And she, I'm looking, I'm like, your brows are amazing. She's like, I did them. I'm like, have you ever, you did. It? She's like, yeah. And I did hers. I'm like, you should be a skin. What are you doing here? Right. With this gorgeous makeup working behind the counter at Home Depot. Go to the school. Right. <laughs> Let's get you. Yeah. It's just constant. It's constantly being aware and networking and just really kind of just sharing the story and sharing the passion with everybody. I mean, I think especially, I mean, and it's okay. And if you don't want to start your own business and you want to stay, uh, maybe you're, you decide to be like a lead skin therapist for a spa or skin mm-hmm. center, a Medi spa, you know, that's, I mean, that's fine too. It's not always, it's, it's not for everyone. I, um, and I think the other thing you made was a really great point is just, it's everything that you touch is just not what's in your four walls, right? It's not just what's in your business, but you really have to think about what's outside of it. Um, and, and reaching out and really connecting to those around you, but also to finding like-minded people in your own business who have the same passion that you do, uh, when it comes, comes to skincare as well. That kind of leads me to my next question, which is, you know, as a professional, as a skin therapist, I mean, there's a lot of things that we're trained in, you know, waxing, um, makeup, um, also to, you know, obviously skin treatments, body treatments. If you're um, a cosmetologist, you get obviously a, a much different type of training and well-rounded training. But do you think that there's something that a professional might need to know or identify before he or she starts up a business? Could it be something like, for example, for skin on market, it runs a little bit different. Um, how did you decide of how you wanted that space to kind of look or feel and the services that you wanted to offer there? Um, okay. So there are two questions in there. I'll do the skin on market one first. We, I thought that one of the things I think was very successful at the school was the conversation that when you are working with a future professional and they're doing a consultation with a guest, um, the consultations take much longer because the future professional greets the guest they come up with a treatment plan, then the educator comes in behind them and the future professional repeats the treatment plan with the educator. They both review the skin together. The educator makes any um, adjustments if they need to. And they ask open-ended questions because that's part of the learning process, right? Well, that's an interesting, why did you decide to mix daily microfoliant with the Age Smart cleanser? Oh, well, I did this because, okay, and then why did you do, oh, that sounds interesting, you know. So the client, learns we I always found at the end of that and that the client I you know he's checked in and how was the treatment they said I learned so much by listening to the consultation and at the end they weren't just recommending product but the the educator is asking you know why did you recommend that or that's a good choice or you know if you used the age smart resurfacing cleanser in the treatment why are you recommending special cleansing gel that's an interesting choice because students do all kinds of things well maybe I just used it for the treatment to have a little bump of exfoliation but really when he or she's at home, they should be using this and this is why she has more of a normal oily skin. So you start, the clients were getting so much information out of watching the consultation Mm -hmm. uh, and and learning and listening in that it seemed like there was an opportunity for clients to have a space where they could be educated on how to take care of your skin. And so we do really, um, like Jane would say, you know, insanely great treatments. We do those at Skin on Market, but the focus really isn't on retelling and it's not on the service. It's really about client education. 
And so we think consultations are really important there. That's why I like the idea of the skin bar. People come in and they automatically just sit down because that's what you do when you're at a bar. You grab a chair, you sit down uh-huh. and um, we'll, you know, we'll just start, well, this is going on. And then they start touching a face and there's a little mirror there and they start showing you. And then you ask them um, how they are cleansing at home or what is their current routine. And you're really more having a conversation. And we've built that business there um, by having really good consultations. Um, whether it's a, a 30 second face mapping or we're talking to someone for 15 minutes and they actually get an opportunity to cleanse their skin right in front of you. And if you ever, if you're not an, a skin therapist and you watch someone cleanse their skin or wash their face, it's like the most horrifying thing you've ever seen. They just, it's like, it's not a car. I'm like, stop, everything, stop. What are you doing? Not so hard. Not so well. Yeah. So, um, they, they, you, you don't ever get, you don't know, you know, when someone's laying down and you give them a treatment and then they go home with these five new products. Um, we were realizing too, that people were going home and they couldn't see them. But when you watch someone actually cleanse their skin themselves and they grab the container and you're like, wow, you can't see it. Oh, I take my contacts out. Well, of course you do. So I'm going to take a big old Sharpie and I'm going to write on the front of this bottle for you you know, this is step 1A AM and this is step 1 PM and this is that, and then they can take it home and actually learn from the experience. So I think what we've done at Skin on Market is taken what we do really well at the school, which is educate. And now we're educating the consumer as opposed to the, the future professional. And I believe that that's what's led to such strong retail um, sales at that store. I mean, it's tiny. It's like under 500 square feet, that little space. We have one barber chair um that we do treatments and and if on our Yelp reviews as well that's one of the things they talk about is we sample and we educate and they learn a lot and then oh yeah oh by the way I had a really great treatment or my skin looks amazing um but I think people appreciate that we're we're training them versus just recommending product yeah and it's and I think it's interesting too how you said you really kind of found the very specific thing from your other business like what's really working um, for you. And also too, I think even identifying, um, a gap when it comes to that, um, consumer education, because a lot of consumers will go in, um, they might have a treatment, they might go in and pick up the product and then they go home, not really knowing what they should do or why they should do it or how to use, um, the product as well. So putting that education first, I think is really, is key. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just had a client, I worked the skin bar yesterday and did treatments all day. It was amazing. It's the best the day of just doing treatments. It's mm-hmm. so awesome. Um, and the client has been a regular of ours for a while and he's really happy with the skin. And we started talking and he was doing the hydro blur primer and then putting something else. I can't remember now on top of it. And I was like, Oh no, that's second. And he goes, okay, I got a review. And I said, okay, let's sit down. And we spent, you know, seven minutes and we had a full blown step-by-step and he was like, Oh, okay. Now I get it. And, and he's been with us for six months, but I, you know, I think, um, the education part is the best side of the business. And that's where you really get good client loyalty. And then their skin looks better because they're actually following the routine versus, Oh, this thing doesn't work. So I'm not going to do it where it might just be the order they're using it or they're using too much or not enough. Right. So. Right. Right. Definitely. And so it's going on market. You guys were able to just really identify, I think too, just a, a little bit more of um, a uniqueness to not only the size of your space, but you made that work, you know, for you and, and what you, what you saw that the the client needed, the consumer who's like you said, walking in and just coming into skin bar as well. And I think that's a really good point, especially if, you know, as a, a professional that might be thinking about starting up or setting up their own business, that there's not a one size fits all. Um, it's just really being able to identify, you know, what you're, what you're passionate about, what you feel your area, your community um, needs as well. Because when I think about that, oftentimes too, when you, and I speak to you know, future entrepreneurs who want to start their own business, they kind of want to offer, sometimes I find them wanting to offer like everything. Like everything from every skin right. service, every waxing service, every body service. So, you know, what what could you recommend to someone who's wanting to start their own business? But this is kind of the second part of my question that maybe that they need to, to consider or do some more research on when it comes to maybe not taking on too much. I think that you should be very strong at the, if we're talking strictly as a skin therapist in the business, mm-hmm. and there are some people that own um 
spas or um, skin studios in our industry that don't have a license. But if you're the licensed person, that's the partner in the business, mm -hmm. being able to analyze skin and it's all, it's just going back to the basics of your Fitzpatrick scale. And can you look at someone and know the difference between are they oily? Are they normal? Is it a skin type or skin condition? Because if you, and you have to do a really amazing, right now we're doing the Pro 30 and the Pro 60. And before we were doing microzones and face treatments at the 50 minute and the 20, 25. But do, do those really well. Be able to give your solid, and I, when I say basic, there's nothing basic about a customized treatment, but can you meet with a guest and, and do what you need to do to help their skin every single month? And when you have that mastered, right? And in 50 minutes, you can do a double cleanse and exfoliation, get in some kind of electrical modality, also massage, mask them, put a treatment on them, also protect their skin, retail product, reset up, uh, sanitize your equipment and roll into the next one and, and, and do that. Once you've got that, then start looking at the LED and the hydroderm and the, um, all of the additional technologies. And the, but I think sometimes people get so into the peppermint facial and the, I don't know why people want to eat their skincare. I find that so odd, but if, if that's a niche that you want to go into, right. can you, can, that's, that's seasonal. And that means your client's coming to you once but are you building the type of treatment protocol that someone wants to come into you? You know, if they're doing a series for acne, they're coming in once a week for six weeks or they're coming in once a month or they're, you know, getting ready for a wedding and they're doing the peel series every other week, that's building a business and that's building a relationship with your client and you're going to see results. Um, I find it so interesting when you go into some of these spas and it's like reading the menu of the cheesecake factory i'm just like oh i'm exhausted now i can't choose anything mm -hmm. i don't know it's yeah. too much but can you you know am i gonna feel better is my skin gonna look brighter am i working on my acne tell me what you're gonna do because i think most of us are either having breakouts the thing that brings a client in off the street or then they go online they feel like they're aging and they don't like it their skin's breaking out um or they think that they're sensitive and allergic to things when they're probably just oversensitized because they've been doing something at home, right? But those are usually the three basic things why people are walking in. So treat that, figure out a way within your menu to take care of those people and then start layering in all of the bells and whistles. Yeah. Because that's, those are the staples that get somebody, when you can clear up someone's acne and get them on a stable routine, mm -hmm. I mean, that's a friend for life and they're, cousin and their brother and whoever, because it is genetic, someone else in their family or their friends <laughs> too. And so that's like your, your pull, you know, yeah. uh, when someone's got rosacea, probably their mom or aunt or uncle, someone else has it. Right. And then a score, you know, of course, word of mouth, because if you're helping that one, one client, yeah. then they're going to be telling like, you know, their friends, their family, their coworkers of, of where they went. So I think that's really, that's really impactful. What you said there is that, you know, learn how to kind of like do those building blocks first, understanding the basics, getting really strong with that before jumping in um, with uh, too deep into all, I, all the bells. Yeah, and bells. I see it at the skin shows too, where some, there's someone's in there beginning ready to buy this really intense equipment. And then they ask a question about um, now, do I want to use the negative or the positive polarity? For, it's like, you know what? You're not ready. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But get that basic stuff down when someone's raising their hand asking about, well, why would I use high frequency? It's like, okay, well, let's, before you use led, let's get the, right. <laughs> let's have a really clear understanding because that's when future challenges and contraindications will happen within the skin. If we haven't had a really good understanding of the basics and I hate the word basic because it sounds like it's simple, um, no, but it's, no, it's not. It's just, it's the, it's the strength of, you know, any good skin treatment, your consultation, understanding the skin, you know, what you're using and why. And like you said, understanding your, your key modalities that a lot of our therapists train with from the get go, as you mentioned, like galvanic or, um, direct high frequency is just really kind of stepping in and then feeling, I, I feel like education is just, it just comes into every single aspect of what you do in this industry. Would you agree? Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think really paying attention to what the, the clients are and the community that you're serving 
and the guests that are coming into your space because I can't compete with a spa that has a pool and a yoga room and they're doing Tai Chi at lunchtime and serving sushi by the whatever. I mean, that's not our, that's the person that wants to spend a day at a spa. That's not what we do. We service a client that doesn't have a lot of time. You know, there's a Castro dad that knows that his child's going to sleep between 10 and 11. And so he's going to get the fastest treatment possible that has the most benefit while the baby's sleeping. Yeah. And he's going to, the baby's going to sit there and he's going to, and it's wide open and the people bring in their dogs and the dogs sitting on the ground. And this is an, these are for busy people that are in the neighborhood that want results. They don't want to listen to the birds chirp and the, um, take off their clothes and put a robe on and have a whole, ex- if you want to have a whole experience, there's something else. But if you want treatment, uh, result driven treatments, that's what we're here for. And we can do it anywhere from a 20 to a 50 minute, 60 minute time frame, mm-hmm. which tends to work for people. Right. And so I think sometimes therapists want to say, well, I don't want to work on Saturdays. I'm like, well, your clients want a treatment on Saturdays and they also want it on Sundays and they want it on Thursday nights at nine o'clock. So <laughs> you got to figure out who are these clients and when can they come to you? Cause when you've got a commuter, you know, a lot of people that live in the neighborhood where the skin bar is they're if they're not working from home, maybe they're commuting up to Silicon Valley or they're by the time they get home and they walk their dog and they do whatever. Now it's six that they go to the gym at six thirty, seven o'clock. You can't close every night at seven. Yeah. So it's really, right. knowing, yeah, it's knowing your, it's knowing your skills. It's knowing your mm-hmm. community, what the, and your clientele and then what you're trying to, to tap into. And I think I'm just identifying that, that, that key, um, demographic, that key market that works best for, like you said, for your location and understanding that you had made a mention too about, um, I just want to kind of jump into this one comment you had made about, uh, going to skin shows and of course, and seeing all these like, you know, amazing pieces of equipment, but also too, when you go to these shows and even, I mean, even online, there's a lot of information about professional product. Mm-hmm. Um, and everything from, you know, to organic, to natural, to, to more, you know, medical to cosmeceutical. So when it comes, so we, so we have someone who wants to, you know, they're opening up, they're ready to go. They're going to open up their business. They're ready to do it. They've got their business plan. They're jumping in, right? Both feet. When it comes to a professional product line, you had just mentioned, of course, you worked with Dermalogica and you also had mentioned um, Paul Mitchell, mm-hmm. is that when it comes to that, what factors do you suggest that a, a new business owner should consider when, um, when partnering with a, product, a professional product line? Um, looking for like-minded humans, right? What are they into? Uh, or what is the company mission and how does that align with what you're doing? And so for me, we care about the planet. We want to leave it in a better place than we found it. Is the packaging recyclable? Um, is it vegan? Uh, is it results driven? I tend to gravitate more towards androgynous lines uh, versus, uh, I don't, I'm not attracted to like, this is for girls and this is for boys. We don't, and this is San Francisco too. So this community isn't interested in that either. We want to keep it. It doesn't really matter what your gender or your preference is. There's a cleanser for you. <laughs> Something to yeah. do, you know, and I like that the packaging represents that and, and um, that there's a fragrance that represents kind of an androgynous feel. And obviously there's no fragrance as in Dermalogica was one of the reasons why we chose that line as well. Well, and it works. So I think originally um, when we went with Dermalogica on the school level is I liked how clean and easy it was to train on, right? Because there's a gel cleanser, which is for oily skin. And here's a gel cleanser. And you could take that information. And then when you graduate, you can use any product you want when you get out, right? But right here, we're going to make this very easy for you to understand. It's a creamy cleanser. This would be for normal to dry skin. This has lactic acid in it. And lactic acid is going to maybe be for hyperpigmentation. It's it's hydrating and it's also an exfoliant. So you can take that information and just use it, whatever you're going to do when you get out. Many of our students go out and end up using the the brand because they they enjoyed using it while they were in school. But you should be able to take the ingredients and that transfers to anything. Um, And I also pay attention to who owns the brand and and what they're out there doing. I mean, I've always admired Jane and JP with Paul Mitchell. We also use a company called um, Muse Beauty for our makeup. They they distribute vegan 
um, brushes and um, makeup. And I, I think it, if you tell your client one thing that, hey, this is important to us and we're going to recycle and we're going to compost and we care about the planet and then you're using a brand that doesn't follow the same philosophy, mm -hmm. you're always creating a situation where the client's not going to trust you. So I, I making sure that whatever your mission is, um, if you're, we're welcoming to all people. And so we think the brand should make everybody feel comfortable. We think our aesthetic should make everyone feel comfortable. So you have to figure out who you are as a brand. What is your space? And then making sure that the product line that you're bringing in um, mirrors that, right? And complements what you're already selling. Cause I, it could, it's confusing for the customer. Yeah. And then I think it creates this weird distrust if, it, if there's not alignment between the two. Okay. Yeah, definitely. So alignment between your own brand um, personal message and also, of course, making sure that's kind of, um, you know, working in, in partnership with a professional skincare brand. So you're, you know, you're still having the, the same type of feel, the same type of vibe, and still the same straight, type of straight communication um, as well. And mm -hmm. I think it's also... Was, I'll say one other thing on that too, really quick. Yeah. I think sometimes it's really exciting to like, oh, here's the serum and this, you know, woman is in the middle of, um, you know, Minneapolis and she buys her oil from France and it's in this little tiny bottle and it costs $1 million and, you know, we're going to sell it on the shop. I, all of that stuff is fun and exciting and whether it works or not is another point. But when you have a brand, I think all of us find it really romantic to have this, oh, it's so unique and it's so cool and nobody has it and you can just get it from me. And that's great if you already have a following but if you're trying to build a business from scratch, it helps having a brand because nobody knows, you know, I, I jokingly say like Miss Didi's beauty box, like who cares? Nobody knows who I am, but people know who Dermalogica is and they know who maybe Paul Mitchell is and they know Ket Cosmetics who we use on our makeup site. Like there are professional makeup artists that identify with that and they're like, oh, so we're guilty by association because they're good and somebody that's already in the industry sees it or a client that, you know, just moves here. I can't tell you how many people see the Dermalogica sign and they're like, I just moved here and I, I use this at home and I'm so glad you guys are here. So we just gained a client, but we're going to keep them. And it's what we do internally to maintain that guest. But it's that brand outside the door that actually got them in. Mm -hmm. and, and so think about how unique and edgy you want to be. And if nobody knows who it is and nobody knows who you are, it doesn't mean you can't, but it's just harder to build a clientele. Yeah. Having, mm -hmm a brand that's helping the people are ident they already trust us because they happen to have already trusted the brand. Right. So yeah. we just, we gained a client just by having the right signage. I think that's a great point, especially when you're just, you know, thinking of does the brand have a good positive brand awareness, you know, outside of um, a skincare center. And like you said, someone said, Oh my gosh, I used Herbalogica. I saw it on, on your sign and I'm going to walk in because, because I trust the brand. It's almost like they automatically, trust you. Yeah. We're already in we just have yeah. to maintain, maintain yeah. it through there. And then the other thing I always like to tell, um, especially new entrepreneurs that when you're looking to partner with a brand is that connection, but also to, you know, what are they offering you in regards to support, um, to training, to education? Because one thing that we always say at Dermalogica is, you know, you know, we're an education company with a great product line. Right. And, and Jane has said this before, like, we're not a product line with great education. So education definitely comes first. Mm -hmm. How do you feel that um, that support or education um, has helped or has contributed to supporting you and, and your business? Uh, it has saved me probably a lot of time and money. And, you know, because I my team looks forward to the trainings. They look forward to product launches and they look forward to. I mean, the reason I worked at the skin bar, uh, I did the full shift yesterday was so that um, the two experts that are there could go to a, a product launch that took place at the loft. So it's, um, it's part of their career path. That's something they look forward to. It makes it, I don't have to come up with a protocol. It's not my way. It's just like, hey, this is how we're doing things around here. And when you're trying to run two businesses and have lots of skin therapists with lots of opinions, um, when the protocol is laid out and the protocol matches the YouTube video and the YouTube video matches the podcast and the podcast matches the package on the back of the box and, and everything says the same, 
that's so valuable in an education environment in a school. It's also really valuable in a space like um, Skin on Market when, in fact, the last person that left Skin on Market went to work for Dermalogica in um, Southern California. And so we were, she was from there and I was sorry to lose her at the skin bar, but her, uh, because we have such a good training program over there, the next person that came in, same amount of training was a different person, but delivering the experience very similarly, it was very easy for those clients to stay in the space. Of course they missed her, but they moved into the new therapist that came in and she, there was enough familiarity that they felt comfortable and they stayed. So it's allowed us to also maintain our clientele even when a therapist leaves. And great. you know, people have left on good stand. It, it's great. She's like, I'm going to work in Dermalogica in SoCal. I'm like, oh, it was such a bummer to lose her. But as a result of the training, we were able to put somebody right into that spot. So, you know, it's invaluable because it would have taken us so much longer to get that person up to speed. And we, in that time frame, we could have potentially lost the clients, right? Because right. they just because we lost somebody doesn't mean that they want there to be a, a hiccup in their, in their protocol. Yeah. And definitely, you know, and being Dermalogica trained and coming into a location like yours and already being able to kind of just, you know, start right away and just jump in with, you know, the education that they've received is, is definitely a, a, a great value. So thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. People move a lot from San Francisco to New York. It's a super common move. So we've had people that were clients at the Soho location and they, you know, they find us online because they're like, I've been going to Soho and I want to come in. And so the experience is close enough for them that we don't have, we're not selling. We're just picking up where they left off because yeah. they were already in a dermatological space. So I love that. I love and, that. Yeah. They're really helpful for us. Oh, great. Thank you so much, Judy, for sharing that. I appreciate it. It's just, it's great to hear from someone who, you know, you're living it right every day and you're seeing it from a different angle versus, you know, um, you're seeing it as a business owner and how it affects for you, not only your staff, but also to, you know, your, your bottom line and making sure that you're maintaining, uh, maintaining those clients. So my last question for us today, I've enjoyed our time together immensely. This has been so fantastic. Um, you've shared a lot of lessons, a lot of tips, some advice some suggestions, but do you have any, what I like to call like lessons learned, right? That you can share about being an entrepreneur specifically in the skincare industry, anything that you're like, if I could tell, you know, share this one story or, you know, share this one key thing that, oh my gosh, if anyone's getting ready to open a business or they are in a business here, this is something that I've learned along the way. Is there something you could share with us today? Hmm. I think, oh gosh, there's like a million, right? That could be a, that's okay. In itself. But <laughs> I would say, you know, know what, you know, um, very well hone in on what your expertise is and if there's something that you can learn for example if I'm really good at giving good giving treatments get even better at that right and if I'm okay with numbers and I feel like I can kind of master QuickBooks take the time to pick up a new skill that's going to help you in your business and if there's something that you are struggling with meaning you're not going to be able to balance the checkbook or you're not going to be able to figure out QuickBooks or whatever you're I don't want want to plug QuickBooks, but whatever your thing is, right, that you're going to use your accounting system, then you got to find someone that's really good at it and hire them. And making sure that as you start to build your network and your team, whether you're hiring employees or hiring a bookkeeper, um, that they are better and smarter than you in that area so that you're growing, right? I think sometimes as entrepreneurs, I've, I've watched some people open businesses and they only hire people that they feel like they're smarter than, or they can kind of oversee and no one's going to pull anything on them. And I think one of the reasons that the school's been successful and skin on market is I, I look for people that are smarter than me in areas that I particularly struggle in. Mm -hmm. um, and that has grown the business because I think, you know, if there's two of us doing the same thing and we have the same skill set, one of us is not necessary. <laughs> you don't need yeah. the, you don't need twins. Um, and, and in growing your business, making sure that we're putting our egos in check and being able to acknowledge the fact like, you know what, maybe I'm not good at marketing and maybe that coupon that I made on my little laptop wasn't so cute. And I look like I look low end. And if I want to look high end, that maybe where I should spend, I've got my bookkeeping down and the treatment stuff's going well and our customer service, but maybe I need to hire someone 
to do a graphic designer to up the game on that or make sure that my website's representing the brand properly and you know what what the website looks like and what it's tricky now because your website yelp twitter facebook linkedin pinterest whatever it is that you decide to uh promote your business through has to also look like that when you walk in clients don't like to see images of one thing and then they walk in and you're like this isn't what i saw on my yelp picture mm -hmm. that that that's a that's a distrust for them so you have to look for where are the holes and then put the time and money towards the things that that really matter and, I, and sometimes we want to spend money on the cherry wood floor where it's like it doesn't matter get yourself a nice laminate but spend a lot of money on a steamer if that's if your treatments require a steamer or a really have a really comfortable bed for your clients and and think about where you're spending your money look for the holes and um i think spend your money in the beginning smartly i think jane had mentioned that too in the very beginning one of the things she did was spend a lot of money on the equipment she went after to Cara belmont and found some really nice equipment so that it it was comfortable and it looked high-end enough right she's just yeah. starting out in education but people walked in and they thought well this must be serious because look at this place right it's i think sometimes people spend money in the wrong wrong spaces and you just should look know what you know really well learn what you can and if it's a if there's a a gap for you and it and you're like you know what i'm never going to be good at balancing this checkbook find somebody to do that for you like don't waste 12 hours of your weekend trying to balance out your receipts when you could have been doing treatments or training your team or answering the guests guests on the phone or something yeah. do you know does that make sense yeah. no it does make sense that way you're spending your time doing what you do really well and then mm -hmm. having others support you and the capacity that they excel at as well too so you know i think it's just really you know surrounding yourself with the right people and the right team which I think would be another great topic for us to talk about, which is about employees and leadership and, you know, hiring staff, which I would love to have you come back and, and discuss that topic with us next. If, if you're available in your busy schedule. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, perfect. Sounds good. Well, Didi, thank you so much for today. This has been, you know, so enlightening. I know our listeners are going to absolutely love to hear this kind of really real advice from someone who is, you know, living um, not only the business, but they're working in it. And you shared so many great insights and inspiration. So thank you so much today for your time. I really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. It was fun. Okay. And we can't wait to have you back. Thank you for listening to Living Skin. And don't forget to rate and subscribe to this podcast. If you have any topics you'd like for us to feature, send an email to livingskinpod at dermalogica.com. And until next time, cheers to living in your healthiest skin.